0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. May His grace and His blessing be with us now, and unto the age of all ages, Amen. This past week, as millions of Americans around the world gave thanks during the Thanksgiving holiday, the Coptic Orthodox Church commemorated the exemplary life and departure of one of the most influential figures in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, and by this I mean St. John Chrysostomus who is known as the Golden Mouth. St. John was one of the most eloquent preachers of Christ's gospel, as well as a great ascetic and teacher. His love for our Lord Jesus Christ was great, as was his love for the poor. Following the example of our Lord the Good Shepherd, he guided his flock in righteousness until the time of his departure. Let's consider some biographical information about this great saint. St. John Chrysostomus was born around 347 in the great city of Antioch, Syria, which was one of the centers of Christianity in the Roman Empire after Roman Alexandria. His father departed this world while St. John was still young. Nonetheless, his mother dedicated her life to raising him and his sister. He was educated in the best schools of Antioch, and ultimately he became a student of the famous pagan rhetorician Libanius. When he was about twenty, he was presented to Melitius, the patriarch of Antioch, and this encounter led him to leave his secular studies and to then dedicate himself to spiritual learning. After some time he fled to live in a cave as a hermit while practicing strict asceticism. 2 years later his health began to deteriorate from his extreme asceticism and so he was forced to return to Antioch after resuming his spiritual studies for several years patriarch melitius ordained him a deacon shortly before he traveled to the second ecumenical council at constantinople after bishop melitius's departure saint john was ordained a presbyter by melitius's successor flavian for almost ten years, St. John then dedicated himself to his flock and delivered several exegetical homilies on the Holy Scripture, many of which survived to the present day. These homilies became famous throughout the Roman Empire and beyond for their beauty, their theological insight, and spirituality. On February 26, 398, St. John was consecrated as the patriarch Of the relatively new imperial city of Constantinople. Immediately after his consecration, he made sweeping changes to the patriarchal office and the local church. He stripped the patriarch's residence of all luxurious items, which he then sold for the benefit of the city's poor. Despite his position as the patriarch of the new imperial capital, Saint John continued to live like a monk in asceticism. He preached against excess and the opulence of the rich in the face of widespread poverty. More than once during his life there was controversy over his selling of the church's golden utensils to raise money for the poor. His love for the poor made him a champion of the common people, but an enemy of the rich. The Empress Eudoxia became increasingly angered by his teachings against the rich. Through her influence and that of many rich patrons in the city, St. John was deposed in exile. When the people heard about this, riots broke out and a great earthquake struck the city. Eudoxia and the rich quickly returned St. John to his position. However, none of this affected St. John's message of serving the poor and needy. He continued to preach just as he had before. Finally, on June 24, in the year 404, he was exiled to the borders of Armenia and later, even further to Pythios, near the shores of the North Sea. His exile was very difficult, and the soldiers who accompanied him were cruel and ruthless. St. John was made to walk in the worst conditions to his place of exile. Finally, while traveling to Pythios, St. John Chrysostomus reposed in the Lord. His famous last words before departing this world were Glory to God for all things. Thirty years after his departure, his relics were taken back to Constantinople with great honor. In 1204, the relics were stolen by crusaders on their way to Rome, and on November 27, 2004, Pope John Paul II of Rome returned his relics to the Eastern Orthodox Church, and they are now kept in Mount Athos, where they continue to be a source of miraculous signs and wonders. St. John Chrysostomus left behind many important homilies and exegetical works on the Holy Scripture. Among them are 59 homilies on the Psalms, 67 homilies on the Book of Genesis, 90 homilies on the Gospel according to St. Matthew, 88 homilies on the Gospel according to St. John, 55 homilies on the Book of Acts, and many homilies on all of St. Paul's epistles. English translations of many of his writings can be found online and in Orthodox bookstores everywhere. The Eastern Orthodox Church also celebrates a divine liturgy that bears his name, just as in the Coptic Orthodox Church we have a liturgy bearing the name of another great father, St. Cyril of Alexandria, or St. Basil, or St. Gregory. Now in tonight's gospel we heard our Lord pray to God the Father and say, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them to babes. We see how St. John Chrysostomus lived this verse in his life. Although he studied with the most famous pagan philosophers, who were renowned around the world for their knowledge and wisdom, he ultimately turned away from these teachers and dedicated himself to a spiritual education. In doing this he abandoned the wisdom of the world and embraced the wisdom of God. Our Father, the Holy Apostle Paul, teaches us, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And elsewhere he says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Thus we see there is a difference between the wisdom of the world and the true wisdom of God. And today in our lives we have to be aware of this difference because the wisdom of this world oftentimes works to make us deny the wisdom of God. For example, today there are many who place their faith in science only. They use science to deny the existence of God and his marvelous works. And what these people fail to understand is that science is a gift from God. Man in his arrogance and pride believes that he himself is making progress in understanding the universe through science, but in reality this knowledge is made possible through God alone. After all, who gave man the intelligence to make progress? God created man in his image and according to his likeness. The fathers of the church teach us that the image of God refers to man's free will and higher intellect. This is something God did not bestow upon his other creations, but he gave it to man, and it is only through this divine gift from God that mankind advances scientifically. And so we don't believe that science and religion are incompatible. The Church embraces science as a gift from God and encourages the use of science that does not conflict with our Lord's commandments and the teachings of the Church. The problem is that many people have faith in science only, and they use it to ridicule and deny the existence of God. They believe society is making progress through science. In a sense, they are correct, there is progress, but it is the wrong type of progress. We see that there are two types of progress, there is positive and negative, good and bad. And good progress is when one goes from worst to best, while bad progress is the opposite. And those people who place their faith in science only are making negative progress, because while they are advancing in the wisdom of the world, they are rejecting the wisdom of God. To make true progress, our eyes must be opened to the truth. We thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ opened our eyes through His teaching and the example of His life. Throughout the Holy Scripture, we read prophecies about How the Christ would open the eyes of the blind, and the miracles of our Lord restoring sight to the blind. These prophecies and miracles are shadows of what our Lord did in his ministry. He restored sight to the blind physically, but he also opened our eyes spiritually so that we may recognize the truth as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what is the consequence of recognizing this truth? Our Lord teaches us, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The consequence is being set free from sin, death, and the constraints of this world. Those who believe in science without God are constrained by the world. Let us open our eyes and be set free from these constraints. This means we can accept the small miracles of science without forgetting the countless and great miracles of the Almighty, our Creator, who by His nature performs marvelous works. We also read in today's Gospel the following divine invitation from our Lord Jesus Christ Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and ye will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The reason the Church gives us this passage tonight is because of its connection with the Gospel tomorrow, which talks about discipleship and contains the verse, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We see from St. John Chrysostomus's life that he lived this verse in its fullness. This is especially clear in his last days when he was exiled to the edge of the known world in harsh conditions. He did not complain, nor did he try to escape, nor did he even pray to the Lord to take the affliction away from him. Rather, he uttered the powerful words of faith, glory to God for all things. In this expression of great faith, we see St. John Chrysostomus as a good shepherd practicing the advice he routinely gave to his flock. For example, in Homily 33 on St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, he said, Let us bear all things thankfully, be it poverty, be it disease, be it anything else whatever, for he alone knows the things expedient for us. Are we in poverty? Let us give thanks. Are we in sickness? Let us give thanks. Are we falsely accused? Let us give thanks. When we suffer affliction, let us give thanks. Elsewhere in his writings, St. John Chrysostomus calls affliction a great good. We might wonder how St. John could possibly endure all of these tribulations and then call them a great good. But for him, as for all of the saints, there was a recognition that the worst tribulation in this world is insignificant compared to the joy of the kingdom of heaven. This is why our Lord says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's a matter of our faith and perspective. We see this very clearly in the lives of the martyrs and confessors. They didn't fear great tribulation or even death because of their great love for God and their desire to be in his presence for eternity. Finally, the commemoration of St. John Chrysostomus is highly appropriate as we conclude the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States and approach the readings for the third week of the Coptic month of Hatur, because St. John exemplifies how we should carry our cross and give thanks to God for all things. We oftentimes pray to God to remove affliction from us, forgetting St. John's teaching that affliction is a great good. The Blessed Mother of the Desert, Amma Sincletica of Alexandria, also taught that we should not ask God to take away affliction, but rather to grant us the power to endure it. Carrying the cross is enduring affliction with patience and complete faith in God, following the example of our Father, St. John Chrysostomus. May God grant us the strength to endure all affliction, so that we may be ever thankful and proclaim with our Father, St. John Chrysostomus, glory to God for all things. And glory be to God now and forever. Amen.